0: Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash wdm1. always by my friend and colleague shannon she's got gall boffman hey shannon (laughs) i love the (laughs) i love the uh, the shaka (laughs) bra opening you gave me thank you for that i haven't you know have you been watching any of that new south park uh yeah you have yes. is it good
1: yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's good uh for the uninitiated into the zeitgeist is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and bring them back up to be talked about and shit like that <laughs> shannon uh before we jump into it i just kind of want to warm up uh, i haven't talked to you in a little while so um what's going on with you
1: oh uh, i have a funny story actually it just happened today oh yeah i um there is this uh cbd store over where you used to live with a university mm-hmm. and uh they're these old ladies that are, like, straight out of the Golden Girls that work there, uh-huh. and they're so nice. Like, every time I'm there, they give me something for free. Like, uh, I think the place is called Nature's Mercantile. I really want to shout them out because they're so nice and funny, but today I was there, and the lady was like, Oh, hey, sweetie, are, are you on spring break? And I was like, oh, well, kind of. Like, I work for the community college, so, like, I'm on spring break. Right. And she was like, oh, wow. So you're, like, not in college anymore. And I was like, not anymore. (laughs) And she's like, then her face gets real stern. And she goes, (laughs) yeah, she goes, oh. Must be nice to
0: look so young all the time. Oh well. Granny Granny got some toed. I was just (laughs)
1: like Thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well uh Oh my gosh, that's funny, that's funny. Whenever you said <laughs> uh, the name of the place, Mercantile, I was like, one, Granny has a tude, but two, like, we used to have this history teacher uh, <laughs> back, I think it was, for me, I think it was like 7th grade or something. And any time yes. he would talk, uh, he would always say m- it was Mercantilism. Or, no, no, it wasn't mercantilism.
1: Mercantilism. <laughs> yeah, he would always like draw
0: it out like that, and the name Oregon. of the store, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows, if anybody goes to point, I'm sure you know, but. Yeah, I I love it. Hey,
1: we remembered that stuff, though. I look back on that, and I'm like, he taught us those words.
0: Right? He's he's very knowledgeable, but people just made fun of him too much. (laughs) Including us right now, here in the future.
1: Well, he would make me mad, because, like, at the beginning of the year, like... All the smart kids figured out who the other smart kids were, and we would, like, work in groups together and get done really quickly and then just goof around. And then he, like, would figure that out, and he'd, like, split us up and put us with the kids who were slower, and then you'd have to sit there and, like, try to teach the slower kids, like, what oh. was going on about, like, the Federalist Papers or whatever. Oh my gosh.
0: <sighs> That's funny. That's funny. It's funny that, I, that you and a group of ki- the smart kids just, like, ganged up and were like, yo, we done with this. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't know. I guess that was, like, a good strategy for him, though, because, like... I do have like specific memories of being like, so this is what the First Amendment was, y'all. Like, what do we think about this? And just like having to sit there and listen to them.
0: Oh, yeah. I can see that. That's, that's funny. I just, I, I want to be in your cliche group, <laughs> your right? cliche, smart kid group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, that's good. That's oh, good. Man. Um, yeah, well, I, I guess before we get into it, I'll also just remind everybody to go ahead, if you want, uh, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. That's where you can sign up for, um, we have three different tiers. One is a bonus monthly episode, which I think we're gonna do over the Batman this month. <gasps>
1: Have you? Did you watch
0: it? Yeah, I went and watched <gasps> it. I went and watched it early. Ha ha ha! Have connections. Oh uh, my god! And
1: I'm probably gonna have to subscribe and listen to that.
0: <laughs> it was really, <laughs> really good. Have you see, Did you go see it?
1: No. No.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I okay, it's really good. But we went like midnight, and I was like, oh uh, my there's god. just something about the movie theater, yo, that just like gets me every time and i had to like shake myself awake i just like oh yeah violently (laughs) shake my head back and forth and be like okay (laughs) all right all right we're good to go (laughs) but it's funny like once i got out i was like i'm oh we had like a 30 minute drive home from where the theater is at and it was like yeah like this is i'm fine I'm fine during the drive back. Yeah. But it, that movie theater, though, like, once to get the reclined chair back and yeah. uh, going, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to pass out. <laughs> not good. Not good.
1: And but- it seems like aesthetically, like, that movie's kind of dark, too. So you're just, like, in a dark room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. There was a lot of loud sounds, but it was, yeah, it was a pretty dark movie, like you're saying, so yeah
1: it, did you like it are oh. you allowed to say
0: yeah yeah no I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll preach the praises here it's it's a good movie like it's a great detective yeah. movie more than anything else it's like you know how like christian bale it's like fighting and shit like it's like big set pieces or whatever uh this one it's like all about the him being a like detective detective and i'd be like okay mm-hmm. all right. I, I can take i can take this type of batman
1: you know it's interesting. I was literally just thinking yesterday how, like, I don't know. Every generation has their Batman, like, and I'm like, who's gonna be Gen Z's Batman? Is it like Timothy Chalamet? Uh,
0: <laughs> he would need to buff Tom up Holland. real quick. <laughs> would need, Tiffany Chalamet would definitely need to buff up. <laughs> well, I guess I guess Christian Bale wasn't too yeah, too buff, so to speak. Yeah. That's that's who I consider my my Batman,
1: and I'm just like this means it's just like solidifies being old for millennials. <laughs> I feel like like Robert Pattinson was a teen heartthrob vampire, and now he's the Batman. Like, and he's good at it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, if someone told me this was gonna be 2022, I I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> okay,
0: <yeah. laughs> so I always scroll through and I always see these TikToks of like, oh, when when Batman sees that bat signal going on, they just like run into the room, their makeup counter, and just like do the stuff over their eyes. <laughs> just like, like, oh my god. Uh, that's my new persona.
1: <laughs> I need like, have the Batmans done the Spider-Man picture yet with like... Who should it be, like, George Clooney, Christian Bale, and Rob Pattinson? They just need to do the Spider-Man, Oh,
0: where they're facing off. Oh, I see what you mean. That's funny. That's funny. Wait, who... Have they not done Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson, who was the other one?
1: I said George Clooney, but I don't know if he was actually Batman.
0: No, no, you're right. He was Batman. But I think that's, like, like, I don't know generations, but... um, yeah, no, that was like Batman and Robin. That's when Danny DeVito was the penguin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the penguins get into it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> sorry, we we got off on a on a track there about Batman, but yeah, look forward to that. Um also, uh we also have get to episodes 2 days early. We apologize that um this episode's going on a little late, but I think it's for the best because we are recording on the Ides of March, which, you know, is when Caesar got assassinated if anybody doesn't know. <laughs> but dun,
1: dun, dun. Uh,
0: and then thirdly you can get producer credits so uh check that out if uh, you don't want to sign up for the patreon go ahead and subscribe to our uh social media pages to see when new episodes go live so yay um shannon it's time to get into our opening segments uh purging our sins and it is my week and i, I think i'm going to keep it really short and simple today uh with the topic of assassination being in the uh the zeitgeist as i would say um the only reason how i know how to spell assassin is it's ass ass (laughs) (laughs) ass ass in (laughs) isn't that funny? funny is there any words that you do that for
1: so there's i i'm this isn't that but it's related so at the community college i work at we have um associates of applied science degrees or aas the amount of times i have almost sent ass is <laughs> oh just like unreal and then it's like associates like there's the word ass like ass is in a lot of words y'all
0: <laughs> right yeah it sucks because you would have to put like a dot s, dot s dot right Yeah, that sounds appropriate. Not just ass lowercase. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, today we are talking about Julius Caesar. So, Shannon, I want to ask whenever you were going up in your academia, uh, what, I guess, what sticks out to you whenever you reminisce about him?
1: You know, I I was reading, um, I have this book, actually, An Introduction to Classical Rhetoric, Essential Readings.
0: Oh, wow, that's um, a thick-ass book.
1: Yeah, there's also pictures in here. I might um, spam the Instagram with them later. But so let me say this. Upon... First impression. I really feel like one um, Caesar was a good or or, orator, like Mm -hmm. speaker. Okay. Um. And I, I don't know. Like, okay, because history is written by the victors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so I I feel like I kind of want to say like he. Maybe he himself wanted to be a man of the people, but it's also like, or did he just want it to look that way? Kind of like celebrities, you know, have PR these days. It's like, Hmm. was he really a man of the people? It's like he, it also makes me think of how much he was gaining from the system he was operating in. So like, I feel like if he really did want to be like a man for the people, he could have made different choices. Um but yeah, so I don't know. It's it maybe after this um hearing from you and your thoughts I'll have more of like a definitive uh conclusion for thoughts on him, but right now I'm I'm kinda open and then you know, I always just think of that scene in and, and Mean Girls where Gretchen is like defending Brutus. Um <laughs> yeah. I
0: completely forgot that there was a reference there.
1: So it's like yeah. I don't know, it's obvious he he's left his mark. Um I'm just not sure I'm not sure what my takeaway for him is yet.
0: Right. Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of a lot of um, figures throughout history kind of base their, I don't know, I wouldn't say methodologies, but like, kind of take pieces of Caesar's comeuppance um, into their own. Like, I know, I think Hitler like had some type of not beef with him, but like, um, like loved his. Like the way he presented himself, um, mm. and like took that to to part of it. Like I, I didn't study I didn't study that era. Whenever I was in college, I studied World War II, and we had a little section over that. And him, like the morals, I guess, of of um, Hitler or whatever. And it just makes me start to think, like how. I guess how politicians these days, are just any people, any person of power, be it like a CEO or you know um, something like that, an owner or whatever, taking, unbeknownst to them, taking these, um, I don't know, morals that Caesar kind of had, kind of had. I say kind of as in like, we we really. Like you said, it, whenever you said uh, history is written by the winners, that's so true. And it's making me think now, like, oh, my goodness, like, were, they, were these people who written the history of Caesar? Because I think there's a few biographies uh, biographies that I pulled from of them. And um, it's just making me, like, question, like, if this was all tried and true, you know. So, nonetheless.
1: Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the comparison to Hitler When I feel like neither of us really, you know, mentioned that elephant in their room with like the war. Um, that's really Putin's war at this point, you know? Um, and so that, that for me was something I, was interested in going into today is is to see if there's any overlap there in the way that these rulers and the idea of power like how it how it determines the outcome you know like what their fate if you will
0: right right Hmm. interesting yeah, so I guess to start off to talk about his early life, uh, Julius Caesar was born into the ruling class of Rome, the Gens Julia, in 100 BC, and was expected to strive for the highest political office possible. In 18, uh, 85, 85 BC, sorry about that, uh, Caesar's father died suddenly, making Caesar the head of the family at only the age of 16. His coming of age coincided with civil wars of his uncle, Gaius Marius, and his rival, Lucius Cornelius Sola. Uh, both sides carried out bloody purges of their political opponents whenever they were in the ascendancy. Marius and his ally, Lucius Cornelius Cena uh, were in control of the city when Caesar was nominated as the new high priest of Jupiter. Um, so just thinking of that, like, have you ever been in, um, involved in any, like, family feud? I, I kind of, a lot of this is, I don't know, like, a little down on Caesar, so I kind of want to lighten the mood. Um, but actually, let me, let me go over this point and then we can get into it a little bit more. Um, following Sola's final victory, however, Caesar's connection to the old regime made him a target for the new one. He, had, he was stripped of his inheritance his wife's dowry, and his priesthood. The loss of his priesthood uh, had allowed him to pursue a military career. Oh, and fun fact, uh, as the high priest of Jupiter, uh, you were not permitted to touch a horse, sleep for three nights outside of his own bed, or sleep one night outside of Rome, or look upon an army, actually, too. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, and so that that's in connection to like the Roman gods and stuff and and that sort those beliefs Mm -hmm. traditions.
0: I guess I should have looked up exactly what Jupiter was, um
1: I'm pretty sure Jupiter's a Roman god, right?
0: Oh oh yeah, just like the god of what?
1: Oh. Yeah. God of sky and
0: thunder. Ooh. Nice. He's top god. Top god. <laughs> as well
1: as the king of gods. Alright.
0: Yeah. Well, well. So,
1: huh. Who is... Is it... Jupiter? So is Jupiter akin to, like, uh, Zeus?
0: I would assume so. Like,
1: oh, here we go. Yeah. Zeus is a Greek god, while Jupiter is a Roman god. Jupiter is the equivalent god of Zeus in Roman mythology.
0: Nice. Cool. Got it. Wow, that's a very high office for um, that young of an age, but I guess they didn't live as long back then, so it kind of makes I a little sense. I was
1: thinking about that, and you know what? So, um, I couldn't sleep this morning, and I was, like, wondering you know, how did people back in the day, how did they know when to wake up? Like they didn't have alarm clocks. Like how did that work? And, um, I was reading that it was, um, one, like the concept of like being on time didn't really exist. Um, and that you kind of just used your internal clock you woke up if you were a farmer you worked until the sun went down um and then they would also use like candles to keep track of time um because apparently candles like uh melt at like a certain pace that you can like keep track of time that way um but yeah, there's my fun fact. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, it's
0: like to think of, to talk about that, like, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I really wouldn't know. Like, would you, cause they have a lot of, like, we were talking about orators earlier. Like, how would, mm-hmm. like, people who were, like, philosophizing back then, how would they, I don't know. No one class was yeah. starting.
1: <laughs> so they would use the sun um, and like sundials and stuff. And then they would, there if There was something about a fountain. They'd use a fountain, like measure water or something to know.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'll hmm.
0: just talk of gods and stuff. It's making me think of um, a story back in the day. Like whenever I had like. A quarter life crisis whenever I left high school and I was like what, the, what the fuck do I do with my life you know uh, thank god I'm here right now but it's funny I had the um, one inkling of going and um, being a monk where yeah like I would just dedicate my life to you know not, not like to any deity in particular but like to I don't know nature as it would uh it's making me think of of that
1: no i've had that thought like if all my stuff burned down or something i'd probably like try being a nun i'd give that a shot
0: (laughs) that's funny that's funny i'm glad i'm I'm not the only one who had thought of that
1: (laughs) yeah have you ever seen oh you did watch the sound of music you did that for your podcast no Oh, no, you didn't. No. You, you've, got, you've still not watched that. You did a different one. Okay. Well.
0: Maybe we, we talked about the nun last week. Um, that,
1: no, uh, you were gonna watch, um, the sound of music, but I think instead you watched Forrest Gump.
0: Oh, uh, no, no. For I've the seen,
1: movie podcast.
0: No, I haven't done Forrest Gump either. Well, I've seen yes. Forrest, I've seen Forrest Gump. So that's, uh, added a list.
1: What did you and Ashton
0: watch? We watched um, Catch Me If You Can.
1: Oh, that's right. Okay, but y'all were going to
0: watch Oh, sound music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember telling you about that. Yeah, so that makes sense.
1: I remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> Anyways, let's we, return to Rome. Yes, let's do. <laughs> so
0: hearing of Sola's death in 78 BC, Caesar felt safe enough to return home. However, he lacked a means uh, since his inheritance was confiscated, confiscated. Um, but he acquired a, ho- a modest house in Serbia or Subra, Subura. Subura, a lower class neighborhood in Rome. It's uh, like
1: suburb, David. Subura.
0: Subura. Um,
1: suburb. Get it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I didn't put it in here, but uh, with the help of his parents, he turned to legal advocacy and became known as an exceptional orator accompanied by impassioned gestures and a high-pitched voice and the ruthless prosecution of former governors notorious for extortion and corruption. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, so, um, that was actually something I was reading about. It's interesting you add that, um, his, uh, parents helped him, um, because, like, being an orator and, like, going to school to study that was, like, pretty expensive, um, and, like, that was, like, a renowned thing to do, um, so I don't know if he's gonna come up at all, but... Cicero, actually, like, by studying, um, I think he actually studies rhetoric and oratory, and that's kind of how he gets his comeuppance, Um, and him and Caesar aren't the best of friends, so there's that.
0: Yeah, it's throughout like yeah like you said the political life it, it is very expensive um and i watched a documentary on him uh, through youtube the bbc documentary which is linked in the show notes um but yeah very very expensive and like i'm glad that the parents oh i'm not glad but like your parents seem to be the ones with the money and it's funny because like we said like being so young technically, yeah. and, and not living for as long, um, like, you still have that connection with your parents, which I guess in Caesar's account, um, definitely helped.
1: Yeah, and that that was something else I was uh, thinking about, too, with knowing we were going to talk about this, was just how accomplished people were at such a young age, and I mean, you know, luckily, like, with Caesar, his parents were paying for him to get that education and i mean it's like what else do you do all day besides like read and and study and learn um, uh,
0: if you're not out there in the pasture or whatever like growing food or whatever
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah especially because by this time they had conquered a uh, majority of the mediterranean sea so um, i think it was they in the asian minor where like constantinople would be uh, that's Kind of like, not, not taken over just yet, but eventually it would be.
1: Yeah, that's wild.
0: So there was a portion where Caesar uh, was sailing across the Aegean Sea um, to go, like, do some like oratory classes and things. When he was actually kidnapped by pirates and held prisoner, uh, he maintained an attitude of superiority throughout his e- captivity. The pirates demanded a ransom of twenty talons of silver, but he insisted that they asked for fifty, which I believe was equivalent to like twenty-three uh, grams, uh, or excuse me, twenty-three pounds of silver, uh, which which is quite a lot uh, if you if you look at it, but. When he was held captive for a period of thirty-eight days, he would participate in the captors' games, exercise along with them, and order them to be silent when they were loud. Which, which would be, which would honestly be very scary. If I, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, "Well, I'm just going to quiver and and be in my own mood." Uh, but. He he read his prose out loud to the pirates, flatly calling them illiterate barbarians (laughs) if his work was not appreciated. Uh, The pirates are greatly entertained by his arrogance, which they attributed to the young man's age. Hmm. You can
1: just picture that. That's so funny. I love
0: that. Yeah, poor Caesar. Like, it's funny because like these pirates. um After the ransom was paid, as Caesar raised the fleet and pursued the pirates and imprisoned them. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, Caesar returned to the coast and had them crucified on his own authority, as he had promised while they were in, while he was in captivity. A promise that the pirates had taken as a joke. So, hey. Shannon, with that, is is a pirate's life for you? <laughs>
1: <sighs> um, hmm. I don't think so, <laughs> but, um, what's funny is, uh, what was I thinking about? Sorry, Jack Sparrow propped into my head. As one does. Um, I also watched a video like about this, but it was like a cartoon and the pirates looked really silly,
0: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> sorry okay he promised <laughs> sorry about pedro um pedro. sorry oh Okay, sorry, I remember what I was thinking now, because you said after they returned to the coast, that he had them all crucified on his own authority. That's something I was reading, um, looking back on Caesar, was that he would kind of, like, hold those promises and just, like, you know, off a whole bunch of people. But then there would be other people who he would hear out and, like, spare them.
0: Wow. Hmm yeah like I don't know Caesar in, in that fact is I don't know is from the readings that I've did he's very equitable I guess I would say <laughs> uh, like when it came to things like that um, like I don't know in this situation with the pirates like it's a very famous story of, of him getting captured or whatever and like, yeah. people talk about this all the time um, it's interesting that he had that gall to, not to pun intended, um, to, I don't know, stand up for himself like that and still, you know, go after him after the fact. And I don't know. Um, definitely in this case, a pirate's life is not for me. <laughs> like, yeah. especially if, uh, you know, he's going to come back after me. So.
1: It just seems so like isolating, too, like being stuck on a boat
0: right i'm I'm curious how big this boat was too,
1: right, yeah, who but. knows like in pirates of the Caribbean, the bits are pretty big, they're ships i guess
0: right well they they must have been i don't know actually I don't know too much about about um piracy or whatever you know ship engineering or whatever, but uh, it's making me think of like if they had sails or not and if they used that to their advantage I think they did by that time I know Korean like the Korean Peninsula they had um, really extravagant um, ships but nothing else wow,
1: that's interesting I didn't even think about that
0: yeah uh, on his return to Rome he was elected to a military office as Quaestor, which was responsible for investigating and handling murders, uh, he was serve, He went to serve his quaestorship at uh, in Hispania in the spring or early summer of sixty nine BC. Which Hispania is the Iberian Peninsula? Um, from I didn't put it here, but it was like the southern portion of Hispania. So, like where you would consider Portugal to be. Um, gotcha. While there, uh, he is said to have encountered a statue of Alexander the Great and realized, with dissatisfaction, that he was now at an early at, at the age when Alexander had the world at his feet, while he had achieved comparatively little. Um, he his he was said to have cried at the mere thought. Um, <laughs> when uh, he was back in Rome in 65 BC, he was elected cruel atit. Alatee, uh, who was responsible for the maintenance of public buildings and the regulation of public festivals, by putting on some extravagant games, it was it brought him further attention and popular support. Um, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about it being expensive. Like this came out of his own pocket. Like these um, public festivals.
1: Uh, wow.
0: So yeah, like putting on these expensive games, he he was in considerable debt by this point.
1: I was reading though that that's kind of what you had to do because like there weren't newspapers, there weren't telephones. In order to get people to know about you, it was all just word of mouth.
0: Right, and that that brings up the point. Like, um, what would what would you put in your? Because he. F- from my readings, he, uh, like, flooded the um, Coliseum, and so he do, like, naval battles in the Coliseum, uh, which was insane to think about. Uh, oh, but then. God that's like from i've never seen gladiator before but i know they face off against some animals or whatever Um, (laughs) he he like brought some exotic animals like i think there was an elephant or a tiger or something um that was brought in um and had you know gladiators fight them or whatever Um, oh my gosh i know isn't it crazy um but i was gonna ask you what what would you put on during your games in rome if you if you had the chance to
1: um hmm have you ever seen um the hunger games
0: yeah yeah I have
1: yeah maybe Katniss's like girl on fire
0: dress oh that would be dope as shit um yeah I was thinking like I don't know I would I would do like a like a wine drinking contest or like a hot dog eating contest. Oh, like a game? I thought
1: you meant like what would I wear?
0: Oh, uh. oh, yeah, that's more of what I meant. But I like I like that idea. I, now I'm just picturing uh. Caesar as like like in the Katniss Everdeen like thing. Uh. <laughs>
1: Oh okay. Um. So maybe uh, we could play like flip cup. <laughs> oh, that's funny
0: for the masses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Except it's like what were those things called? <laughs> like flip the flip the mm, Stein. Flip and Stein. Flip and.
0: That's nice. Yeah, we put on like a hot dog eating contest or something like that. Um, But I was trying to think of some others, but I can't right off the top of my head. (laughs) Uh, uh, In 63 BC, he ran for chief priest of the Roman state of religion, which he won easily through corruption and bribery. After serving in this position, he was in considerable debt, which I had mentioned earlier. And with the help of the richest man in Rome, Marcus Licinius Crassus, he was able to repay some of the debt, but not all. Because of this and his new appointment to govern the Hispania Altier, which is the northern uh, part of the Iberian Peninsula, uh, he left early to be, avoid being prosecuted for his debts as a private citizen. So I, I'm, I didn't read much into how that like citizenship worked and, uh, the debts or whatever. Uh, but I guess that allowed him to continue on, um, with a military expedition beyond the Northwestern frontier of his providence enabled Caesar to win loot for himself as well as his soldiers. Uh with the what's,
1: what's interesting is like feel like there are like now a lot of parallels between what's happening to him and Putin, you know, like um the debt and like the sanctions that Putin's experiencing. Um, you know, I think from my understanding it it doesn't seem like uh Putin being the Uh, president Mm -hmm. quote unquote um, was like a a democratic thing. Like, I I don't think from my understanding, it it sounds like he got that position based on, you know, corruption and um, bribery as well. So, Hmm.
0: yeah, that's a good point. Like through, yeah, like said, corruption and bribery. um, I'm thinking of, Yeah, that's how, kind of, uh, with the assassination of, like, um, journalists and things like that in Russia or anybody who speaks dissent um, in that regard, like, it's funny you say that. Uh, I'm not really up to date on everything going on there, but um, it's funny to think that he's doing this, I don't know, conquest and that this, uh, I would call it economic cold war. Um, that's kind of ensuing post his invasion. So it's, it's kind of, kind of crazy to think about.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But this partial financial recovery enabled him to return to Rome in 60 BC and, uh, stand for consulship in uh, 59 BC. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Caesar's ultimate goal was still to become consul along and along with Crassus and Pompeii, Pompey I spelled differently here, um, like the island, Pompey with a Y, uh, was a central member of the Royal Elite and just returned from a campaign in Syria and in the Middle Syria and the Middle East. <laughs> uh the youngest daughter uh of Caesar was offered up to set up the first triumvirate. Uh, which was a political alliance. Uh, This was done as Caesar was considered to be the dangerous opponent, so the choices of Crassus and Pompey was either to align with him or to get rid of him. Crassus is the uh, wealthy individual who helped him out previously. Yeah. So uh, during that time, Rome was considered very dangerous as Caesar ordered Pompey to fill the uh, city with soldiers, which scared the triumvirate to scare the triumvirate's opponents. Uh, For example, Biblius, a political appointment, um, attempted to declare the omens unfavorable and thus void the new law, but he was driven from the forum by Caesar's armed supporters. His lictors um, had their face... fast feces... faces broken. I um, (laughs) am... faces faces uh well we'll get down to it it says two high magistrates accompanied him were wounded and he had a bucket of excrement thrown on him in fear of his life he retired to his house for the rest of his life issuing occasional proclamations of bad omens uh these attempts proved ineffective in obstructing caesar's legislation uh roman satris eat ever after ever after referred to the year uh as the consulship of Julius and Caesar quote unquote so uh, it sounds like a bad time to uh live in the city of Rome whenever he was consul um definitely not not a good time um but Shane and I wanted to lighten lighten the mood a little bit more um who would who would you put in your triumvirate the to- three you yourself and two others
1: yeah real quick though so do you think like do you think it was like the impression i got from caesar kind of like you said earlier like he's equitable he's very just like it seems like justice and like the system, and the systems that are in place, like, that's his thing. He is all about that. Mm. Um, And so, I wonder if people were just, like, not into being decent. Like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, maybe there was just this weird interpretation. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it it is partially that, um, but I don't know. I think this was a turning point in his career uh, because he started to gain more political influence and, and things like that. And especially with the introduction of Pompey into the military general Pompey into it, um, where he had more of a, I don't know, a strong arm, I guess you would say. Um, and so... I don't know. I think this is where it kind of for me it gets um, a little hazy in his his justness, which I think is a better use of what I meant to say earlier. Um, to think that he would, you know, send people out to I don't know um, influence because he he did go after political opponents who were unjust during the civil war that his, um, like his uncle had had with that one rival of his, um, Crassus or, or can't remember the name specifically, but, um, yeah, this is where it gets a little hazy for me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I just wonder, you know, like, I don't know, like, (sighs) how people were in that time. So I don't know like where maybe the consensus felt like their lines were between, um, you know, obeying a ruler and the rulers laws and then having their own, you know, personal liberation and freedoms and that sort of thing. So I don't know. But, um, I like your triumvirate question. Um, let's hear your answer first.
0: Ooh, um... Ooh, that's a good one. I would definitely have to say me and then my twin sister, for one. Um, (laughs) me and my twin sister definitely, um, as a duo, I think, make a good, I don't know, justice, just, uh, as we were saying, um, we have... I don't know. It's it's a nice back and forth because we can... I don't know. <laughs> I was talking earlier on um, the twins bonus episode that we did that uh, we call uh, people who aren't twins or multiple, like a triplet or whatever, singletons. And it's nice to have that, that ping pong back and forth between her and I. Um, the third, I, I don't really know. Um, I would maybe... Maybe, say, in relation with the family, I guess I would say my mother, uh, because she's more rational than the two of us who would just kind of go off and murder a bunch of pirates if we needed to. (laughs) I love
1: that. Uh, I took it a totally different direction. I think it's funny because... With the last question about the games, I took it as if we were in the past, and you took it as if it was now. And then with this question, you took it as if we were in the past, but I took it as if we were now. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, like, totally, totally different thing to use. so i was like oh well of course taylor swift I And then <laughs> you were gonna say that
0: too i was just like oh i can't wait until she says it <laughs> do you want to
1: take a
0: stab at who the other person would be uh, i honestly would have no clue after taylor swift i know or, oh wait what's that who's the dude who um is uh around survivor
1: Jeff Rose, yeah, Just absolutely.
0: Really? Oh that's great. That's great. That's a nice mix, I, I feel. Um,
1: I know. I mean it's really white though. Which, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, there's not a lot of diversity. I guess it's Rome, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there were still black people. In fact, I wonder what those relationships were like. I feel like um from my understanding, racism wasn't exactly the same during this time. Is that right?
0: Um, partially. And it was more about
1: like where you were, like from, like maybe like your ethnicity. It was more important,
0: right? Like it was more. I think it was more. Um, what do they call it? Uh, micro, rather than macro. It's like okay, if you're born in a, a certain providence compared to another providence, um, like you would have some inklings of because you be it this is the time of expansion like oh this new territory was just um, introduced and we have a because either they would be converted into slaves or they would be um, given citizenship so it really right, really depends on the area that you're you're from so
1: yeah that, that's a good point it's even more so based on like like um your economic status
0: right right so
1: your class or caste
0: caste caste is a good good word to use um so yeah let's continue on so the gaelic wars which were waged from 58 bc and to 50 bc by the Roman general julius caesar uh against the peoples of gaul present day this is present-day France Belgium along with parts of Germany and the United Kingdom Gaelic German or excuse me Gaelic Germanic and British tribes were fought to defend their homeland against the aggressive Roman campaign the wars culminated in the decisive Battle of Elysia in 52 BC in which a complete Roman victory resulted in the expansion of the Roman Republic over the whole of Gaul excuse me Um, The Gaelic military was as strong as the Romans – wait, though the Gaelic military was as strong as the Romans, the Gaelic tribes' internal divisions eased victory for Caesar. Caesar portrayed the invasion as being a preemptive and defensive action, but historians agree that he fought the wars primarily to boost his political career and to pay Mm -hmm. off his debts. Still, Gaul was a significantly military, significant military importance to the Romans. Native tribes in the region, both Gaelic and Germanic, had attacked Rome several times. Conquering Gaul allowed Rome to secure the natural border of the River Rhine. Uh, during this time, uh, he both invaded Britain and built a bridge across the Rhine River. Uh, these achievements in the support of his veteran army threatened to eclipse the standing um, general Pompey, who had realigned himself with the Senate after the death of Crassus in 53 BC. Uh, with the Gaelic Wars concluded, the Senate ordered Caesar to step down from his military command and return to Rome. In 49 BC, Caesar openly defied the Senate's authority by crossing the Rubicon and marching towards Rome at the head of his army. This began Caesar's civil war, which he won, leaving him in a position of near-unchallenged power and influence in 45 BC. Thoughts? Um... For, well, I guess, since while you're thinking, I'll, I'll go. Um... Yeah, this, especially, like, from the BBC documentary that I had watched, um, this was, like, now Caesar's getting a little crazy, with it?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It it being the reason of him, like, being defensive, and which, you know, which is understandable because the Germanic tribes and that did invade Rome quite a few times and were successful in doing so uh, they pillaged a lot, but it was definitely overtaken back again. Um, Caesar kind of took that to his advantage um, whenever he was doing this sort of thing. it um, just it makes me think of taking sides with a certain sect of people, like the I don't know who who we call militarists in Roman society. Um, in kind of gaining their favor, um, with this sort of decision, like I don't know, it kind of uh, one thing about Rome is that it, a lot, a lot of civil wars went on because people were so divided, and <laughs> the you know decisions that the political authorities would make, that like I think he he knew that this would happen, like he knew a civil war would happen, um, coming you know after he defeated you know the Gauls or whatever you want to call him so i don't know it, yeah. it starts to make me think of like he's more manipulative with his decisions and his actions um like thinking that and see that's that's hard for me to say cuz you can take it both ways like like one side of the war is like oh Caesar is this maniac um who's just killing people um who who wants a like a a triumph which was like a a roman military parade yeah um he would like oh he he just wants this triumvirate and um or excuse me not triumvirate uh, triumph or whatever um yeah parade and but the other side could be like Oh no, like he's just trying to, you know, protect us or whatever from all those who are outside of the, you know, territories and stuff like that. So I don't know. It it, it begins to continue to muddy my my vision of Caesar, um especially like with the Gaelic Wars or whatever that's going on. So
1: Yeah. Um A lot of what you just said is kind of where my mind was heading. Have you ever watched, um, I believe it's called the great about Catherine the great. Uh, It's on Hulu. Um, and she, I believe was the first empress of Russia. Um, but it's interesting. There's a scene in this series where, um, She's married to the Emperor of Russia, and he is just like having this moment where he's talking about how he's not great. Like, and I wanted to say they even reference Alexander the Great, um, in that scene as well. Um, and it's so interesting because I feel like there's almost like a paradox with power where in that you get the power but then to maintain it you have to keep these like battles going you have to keep showing that you you're the dominator right, right. Um, and so I don't know it's definitely not a position I'd want to be in especially during this time because I'm sure the pressure was even more so like you know the um uh, the, the adoration people gave to victors and the winners of war. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like you're kind of in uh, – a. what's that phrase I heard earlier? You scooch the pooch or whatever.
0: <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that you say, like, you have to keep – I don't know, keep these – it's making me think of modern day politics and how social media works and like these new debates come up, um, be it with, I don't know, like, uh, for example, like we were talking about the Russian war or whatever that's going on right now, uh, like political allies, political opponents have to. Especially At least here in the United States Have to gain favor with um, People in their own states um, From the states that they represent And that They have to I don't know I'm thinking of Beto Right off the top of my head Like He keeps Like finding these new Battles Quote unquote battles To fight um, And keep Gaining favor with You know Be it the I believe liberals uh, you know liberal um population here within texas or whatever and so it's just it's making me think of all those different
1: and it's kind of gross too because like i feel like when um far left progressive politicians do it they're often virtue signaling and when far right Conservative politicians do it, they're often grandstanding, and neither one is what people are looking for. We just want something to change. Um, so, but again, like we live in a time where we have books, we have access to social media. I'm not saying it's right that people need to be told how to live, but when you don't have access to that kind of thing, like how are you supposed to behave as a Roman? I don't know.
0: Right. Mm. Excuse me. It's making me think of like people were really tied to um, Roman generals during this time. Like if.
1: Yeah, I was reading that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. they would not gain favor but like they would it's almost like fangirling or fanboying over something um and they used to do it with these these roman generals and and how they proceeded so like like this the gaelic wars are are just another example of that um being the case and i don't know it it what I'm thinking is just like it's Caesar's game that he's playing. Um, Quote-unquote game that he's playing. Um, just continuing to rise to the, the top or, you know, becoming the cream of the crop or whatever, you, whatever phrase you want to put in there.
1: And I'm glad you said that, too, because that's... Like, even today, it's so messy because that's all it is. It's, it's a game and you're constantly having to play it, whether it's in your career or you know... I don't know, whatever kind of like, I don't know, networking you have to do. It's like all game and it, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I imagine that's exhausting. And then you're on a, at a power trip to that, like, <laughs>
0: right. yeah, it just only adds to the, to the, the pressure down on you. So, hmm, Caesar, interesting.
1: But then, but then, um, I was also going to say, too, to add to, like, yeah, I read about, like, the fangirling, but then um, there were also, like, workers or slaves or whoever who would, like, get their information from their knight or whoever was, like, in charge of them. Like, it was so very much like a telephone game of the caste system.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and you're so right about that, um, the way... I mean, it is all just a game of telephone, especially if I assume some knights or whatever you want the equivalent of them um, were. I don't know, but uh, I
1: think they were called knights. Really, if I'm remembering, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, just one big game of telephone, and to see who's who's on what side, or you know, if you had a disfavor to these knights or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um so am um, dictator, his dictatorship, let's get into that. Um after assuming control of the government, Caesar began a program of social and governmental reforms, including the creation of the Julian calendar, which we know today is the three hundred and sixty-five point wait, uh three hundred and sixty-five and a one fourth day. Um I think that's a something important to point out that he. Oh
1: yeah, like, didn't he like add July?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> he was, he, was, he named that month after himself because like, <laughs> some there was some he had to like add like um like a couple months or something onto it to make sure the math added up right whenever they switched. So it it's weird, and that month that he added that's July as we know it. So. <laughs> Um, he also, he gave citizenship to uh, many residents of far regions in the Roman Republic, which is uh, important because that gains him more favor. Yeah. Um, he initiated land reform and support for veterans. Uh, he centralized the bureaucracy of the Republic and was eventually proclaimed dictator for life. <laughs> so... Between his crossing of the Rubicon in 49 B.C. and his assassination in 44 B.C., Caesar established a new constitution, which he intended to accomplish three separate goals. First, he wanted to suppress all armed resistance out of the provinces and thus bring order back to the Republic. Second, he wanted to create a strong central government in Rome. And finally, he wanted to knit together the entire republic into a single cohesive unit. The first goal was accomplished when Caesar defeated Pompey and his supporters. To accomplish the other two goals, he needed to ensure that his control over the government was undisputed. And so he assumed these powers by increasing his own authority and by decreasing the authority of Rome's other political institutions. To increase his own powers, he assumed uh, the important magistrates, and to weaken Rome's other political institutions, he instituted several additional reforms. He controlled the process by which candidates were nominated for magisterial elections. Uh, He appointed his own supporters to the Senate, and he prevented hostile measures from being adopted by the assemblies. So, Hmm. yeah, yeah. This is continuing the muddying of, of his, um, I don't know. This is, this is when I think he became very power hungry. And, um, Mm -hmm. that's when he was doing a lot of things, which were supporting the, um, views or the, I don't know, like, especially like he, I know in that BBC documentary, um, that he went, he would like start to shake hands with the poor or whatever. I don't know yeah, if you, okay. if you, if you watch that at all or whatnot, but he would, he would gain to these certain sects of people and, um, just gain favor with them in whatever way possible. And I think with like doing the land reforms out in the countryside and then supporting veterans is another one. Um, he was able to, you know, continue to do this and, and whatnot. So, Continuing to muddy the vision I personally have for him. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But and do you have any thoughts, or do you want me to continue on?
1: Oh, I mean, I just I agree. Like it, it's interesting to think like um, what he was doing would kind of disrupt the. Um, would you call it like an oligarchy? I don't really know because you have like your dictator, but then right. he kind of has like advisors, right?
0: Right. By this time, um, the first triumvirate were was done done with because one dude yeah. died, and then Pompey was his opponent, and the, the civil war that he had. Excuse me. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. All good. I mean he, the the trusted advisors that he would have, I'm sure were. Were there, um, but you know, it's
1: interesting that. that he would care, like, about what the lower caste people would think. Like, it's interesting that he would make these initiatives for them, and you know, potentially at the cost of like those people who are kind of in the middle caste, the knights, even potentially. Um, it's just, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's making me think of, like, yeah, he was gaining favor with the people who were, um, you know, obviously in the lower castes, as we would say yeah um, like veterans and then uh farmers and things like that but yeah as you continue to move higher in the caste system that's whenever it starts to because i know like at the senate the senate level or
1: there the, the you distor- go yeah the
0: distorio level, um, yeah that's whenever it started to become like oh caesar's more of a tyrant than um than somebody who's for the people um so i guess it really depends on what what cast you were a part of during that time and what favors that Caesar was throwing your way or not throwing your way.
1: True, yeah. 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 It's... That's interesting when you put it all together.
0: Yeah, so... um To wrap it up, uh, Julius Caesar, the Roman dictator, was assassinated by a group of senators on the Ides of March in 44 BC during a meeting of the Senate at the Curia of Pompeii and of the Theater of Pompeii in Rome. The senators stabbed Caesar 23 times. They claimed to have been acting over fears that Caesar's unprecedented unprecedented concentration of powers during his dictatorship was undermining the Roman Republic and presented the deed as an act of tyrannicide. At least 60 senators were party to the conspiracy, led by Marcus Junius Brutus and Gaius Cassius Longinus. Despite the death of Caesar, the conspirators were unable to restore the institutions of the Republic. The ramifications of the assassination led to the Liberator Civil War and ultimately to the Principate period of the Roman Empire. So, yeah, from what I was reading, like... uh, Julius Caesar. Um, we, I didn't mention much about Cleopatra and, uh, forget the Marcus Anthony, um, who he was friends with. Um, Marcus Anthony like came in and, um, basically please don't quote me cause I didn't do much research into it, but, um, like came in and kind of forgave the people who assassinated, um, Caesar. But in, in, return for that, like no political reforms were restored or, um, or were, you know, done away with, uh, in a sense, um, to get them to, you know, they were guilty for it, but, um, Yeah. nothing, nothing changed because of it, which, um, I don't know. Just, it's weird to think that that it happened, um, and still nothing was changed. But this kind of, I don't know. I think it's a perfect time for me to bring up the thinking cap question. Um, Was he a tyrant uh, who destroyed the Roman Republic, or was he a statesman who saved the Republic from imminent collapse? Shannon, I think I'm going to let you go first, because I'm still still toying back and forth with myself, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think it's, like, because I don't think he was either. Like, I don't think he had intentions to destroy the Roman Republic. I think he just wanted to not... What's the word I'm trying to think of? He, he wanted to transform it, I think. And I think he... But I, you know, I don't think he saved anybody either. Like, I think... I think... And I don't know the guy. Nobody does. But it seems to me based on what we've talked about here that at most given times his motivation was power which isn't really something that I can get behind but it also seems that there are these instances where he does feel like a sense of humanity for people um and Maybe he has this sort of understanding that his society isn't going to develop to this level he wants it to get at unless they have access to certain resources. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he never fully expressed that, though. And he never really took a side when we look at this question, right? Like, that's kind of why I can't say he did either because he wasn't 100% like Nazi dictator of Rome like that's certainly not what it was and then he also wasn't adamantly like we're instilling these policies because you know one day after this is in- implemented we're going to get everybody in an education and then blah 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 like he wasn't doing that either so it's just hard to say like what was fueling him but i think at the end of the day regardless it was influenced by power and i don't think that that is the mark of a good leader
0: yeah it's funny (laughs) you say what's the phrase like whole holistic power or power corrupts absolutely absolute power yeah corrupt. uh, corrupts absolutely
1: absolutely yeah
0: um it's making me think that yeah it's not that caesar was a tyrant necessarily i think it was that he he had just like martin luther uh, who wanted to like reform the catholic church um he had these he didn't necessarily go and post his theses up somewhere but he had, <laughs> he had he had these theses in his mind that yeah I'm, I'm not living in the best country and i want to change it for the better or whatever like like he wanted to you know get better you know um, land reforms for farmers he wanted to you know help out veterans and things like that but to do that, he had to seize control, um, and strip away some of the powers from the powers that be. And yeah, I think, I think that it came to a point where he was doing it unbeknownst to himself, where he was like, Oh, I'm getting all this shit done. And it wasn't necessarily that he was power hungry, that it was more of him gaining, I don't know, gaining more enemies. um, You're
1: right. And the fact that, like, he was doing it so quickly, Um, in spite of his age, like, I mean, you think today, like, at your place of employment, a lot of places of employment, there's, like, a ladder, right? Like, you do your time, and then you get to the next step. um, And, like, you don't cut that for some people, you know, they don't like that.
0: Right, right. So yeah, that's what I'll say about that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's very nuanced uh, conversation to have because that's how a lot of people do view Caesar or whatever. Um, but nonetheless, let's get into the conspiracy corner, and I think we'll, we'll move on. Um, so a soothsayer told Caesar, "Beware the Ides of March." For one, we know who the soothsayer was and what he really said. He was named Spirina, and he was from Eutria. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, that's important because the um were known to specialize in divination. Oh. On February 15th, Spirina said that he had found a bad omen, a bull without a heart. It's unclear if the bull was had like genetic abnormality uh it was a shocking sign or um it was a soothsayer's poetic license but after <laughs> that, after that spring told Caesar to beware of the next thirty days, not just the ads of March, and it wasn't a lucky prediction but rather a calculated assessment of Rome's political climate so yeah, yeah. I don't have much to say about that, but I I think that's a nice conspiracy to, to put that, you know, that I I don't, isn't because in the play Julius Caesar, that's, um, that's like one of the, one of the like lines or whatever that's beware of the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you you ever seen, before we move on, uh, have you ever watched the Julius Caesar, the Shakespearean play? No. No. Have you? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um Though though yeah. I kinda wanna watch it now.
1: Yeah, I mean I suppose I don't know, I, I think Shakespeare's a little boring. But um Uh <laughs> this made me think of um back back right in or like early February, I think it was Putin said that mm. uh Russia would be sending, like, um, like, military forces into Ukraine for peacekeeping operations. And Biden was like, these are not peacekeeping operations. <laughs> and like, I know that one was super obvious, but I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like, these calculated assessments when they turn out to be right like we see this on south park the simpsons um it's just funny (sighs) to me like oh i could have told you (laughs) right right. that's
0: funny um i think with Yeah, I don't really have much to say about that, Uh, but I think it's funny that you mentioned the the Simpsons omen. Like, that's... now Like, the modern-day omen is if you're, like, in The Simpsons or... (laughs) Right. uh, Yeah, something like that. Uh,
1: I mean, South Park was really good at it, too, I feel like, so... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny. So, to get into the takeaways, I think I'll go first. I think it's... I don't know. Uh... I feel like I've kind of said this in a lot of our past episodes, but like to reassess because I think that's something that Caesar didn't necessarily take into account. Like he didn't assess like he's like, oh, some people might think that I'm stealing power away, but it's more. He was like, oh, I'm stripping these people, these people who are corrupted or whatever. I'm stripping them of power. So it's not actually. You know, mm-hmm. bad in a sense um I think it's it's good to to assess where you're at and consider all of those facets because I think if Caesar had done that, he might have gone on to be a very very a more important figure in history than what he is considered right now, so
1: yeah, that's a good point because surely not every single member of the Senate was, like, against his ideals. Like, that surely they, you know, would have supported him if he had maybe been more transparent with his goals. Um, but at the same time, I'd understand also wanting to maintain the um, eloquence of, like, your position. Um... I think too with this, um, it's a note to people to kind of be aware of like the intentions behind someone's charisma, um, their charm. I think we've talked about that before, um, in our, uh, episode about that one book with the man who Hunted people. The most dangerous game. I think we kind of right. talked about that. Um, you know, it, it's uh, oh, that makes me think. Like, would you would you sleep in Julius Caesar's bed?
0: Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> and who took over? Yeah, who's who slept in Julius Caesar's bed? Huh? Interesting. Interesting to think about wow shannon you got me thinking now (laughs) talk about Um, things
1: you can always like turn that off when you think of um natalie means from the dixie chicks and she says she made her bed and she sleeps like a baby
0: right (laughs) 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 that's funny well so uh yeah thank you for listening to this week's episode of into the guys. we hope you enjoyed it definitely um If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash WDM1. Also consider checking out our Instagram and Facebook accounts uh, to see when new episodes go live. But, Shannon, what are we going to be talking about next time?
1: We're going to be talking about Tamagotchi. I'm so excited. I've already gotten down, like... this one rabbit hole we'll have to talk about it but um fun fact did you know that tamagotchi is partially based on the word egg in japanese
0: no no i didn't
1: i think I, <laughs> I, I know it's the word egg But uh, I, I'm pretty sure The language is Japanese I think the word is like Tamagado or something like that mm. um, I'll have that for y'all Next time
0: Ooh, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> excited for it Because I had quite a few growing up And uh, they would be my uh, What do you call it not, I was about to say my pacemaker But that's not correct <laughs> <laughs> They were my uh, What do you call it step maker or whatever you call it uh um, what well where it counts your steps like how many steps oh, you
1: take. yeah 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 step counter I yeah
0: step counter yeah we'll just call it my, <laughs> my, my fitbit <laughs> my, yeah my oh, kid fitbit t-
1: yeah really <laughs> and we keep track of your steps
0: well i think that's how how you like made the eggs hatch and stuff like that is that right I thought you oh, to, like, feed it. Oh my gosh, my life has just been ruined now because I thought that's how it worked. <laughs> but was
1: it like, keeping track of your stuff?
0: No, no. I, I think, I don't know. Well, let's read into it. We'll we'll see next time, because um, that's how Ooh, that's, that's when suspense. I was a kid. The, that's whenever when I was a kid, that's what I had thought. I was like, oh, it's just your step counter, and if you take more steps in a day, like you'll you'll get your eggs hatched faster. Cause, <laughs> like you had a little like keychain, and you're supposed to put it on your your waist belt yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, maybe. oh, I
1: didn't. I don't think I knew that.
0: We'll, wow. we'll research it we'll come back to you and tell you if it's right delayed. or not. <laughs> but um, I don't know about you, Shannon, but I got to go sit idly by. Um, uh, I can't believe I just sit idly by for this next episode. <laughs>
1: oh, David. I, I have to go listen to the radio and to forget. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that I just came up with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's fine. Alright, everybody. We'll see you next
0: Into the Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman. As you know, all of our shows are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash wdm one The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and for that, we're stoked for your sponsorship. Lone Star Aeronautics, Sharon, and Keegan Gunther.